Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. Yes, this is the final episode. I sound, I feel like I want to let it come out like, yes, The Rock is still cooking. Yes, The Rock is still here. But we are going, <laughs> we are going to rock it, Joe Calabrese, the godfather himself, and myself, Price Atkinson. We are here with you on the final episode of the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. Year 2 comes to a close, and we will wrap up this season 2018-2019 and oh my what fun it has been the godfather joe it has been a blast we have got a lot to get into we will not have a guest in this episode we've got uh, some kind of uh, our top uh, moments player comeback we you know not not so much top 10 or top 5 but just some uh, kind of a mind dump so to speak from some of the you know, top categories, if you will, uh, top maybe best hashtag on social media. Some of the just we're going to have a little bit of fun here. We're going to take it a little bit of a new direction here in this last uh, this last episode. Is uh, I haven't got to talk with Joe here on the podcast since Joe. We were in downtown Toronto at the Players Championship, so I guess we need to kind of revisit that very quickly because we have so much to get into, including a bronze medal that John Schuster and Corey Christensen are bringing home to the U.S. But your first Grand Slam experience, we talked a little bit about it as uh, it was underway, but after you got home to digest it, what was everything like for you and Elisa in downtown Toronto? Well, Price, it was sure a heck of a lot of fun, that's for sure. You know, going to uh, the old Maple Leaf Garden and checking out some of uh, that arena as the way they've transformed that into uh, a venue that's, I, I think, actually ideal for that type of event. I mean, they had good crowds. Um, you know, but it was a small enough venue that you, you know, you got to see, I mean, I saw people from Rochester that came up. I didn't even know we we're going to be there. So it was <laughs> kind of fun just to, to meet up with some people that, uh, you see around the, the curling club at home. Um, but you know, the curling was terrific and you know, the best teams in the world really, uh, competing, uh, really good, uh, venue and a lot of fun to get a little bit behind the scenes. Thanks to you. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome, and and for me, you know, the the six of the seven slams this year, it really had the most different feel of them all for me. It really, and for a lot of people, because we were we were in downtown Toronto. So many times we're in uh, smaller cities, uh, not so much uh, to call St. John small, but Conception Bay South, which was up, uh, you know, north of uh, St. John's in December. Um, you know, places like Thunder Bay, which are not big. I mean, it was it it, it was fun. It, it just had a different feel and vibe to be in downtown Toronto because, you know, getting there on Tuesday and not leaving until the following Monday, I literally went in pretty much three doors all week. It was the Holiday Inn, you had the the arena, and then you had Loblaws, literally all three right in a row. And Loblaws, the 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 the, the very popular grocery store on the corner, which I I literally was pulling receipts out of my wallet uh, tonight. I had not uh, I had not even pulled all my receipts from that trip out of my wallet. Even getting back from Saskatoon, um, just uh, oh god, what a week ago. And I spent way too much damn money inside Loblaws because it was right, literally. So to paint the picture of the Players Championship, which Joe was there with us, that ran the April 9th through the 14th. We've touched on everything that happened there, but real quick, you have the Holiday Inn, 
you have literally right next door Maple Leaf Gardens, the Madame Athletic Center, which is home to Ryerson University. And then literally attached to that in the next door is Loblaws, a grocery store. So I literally went in three doors basically all week long. Did Went nowhere else because everything was so close and right there. But it was pretty awesome. You know, Price, um, I just want to interrupt real quick. But one of the things that happened and probably the only complaint that I had of the entire time that we were there was that it was really hard to get like – food at, at a restaurant there there were plenty of restaurants around but every time we went out everybody else was going out too so the wait times were kind of ridiculous i i should have taken you up on that uh, loblaws idea we, we we tried i tried to take at least someplace nicer and uh then i wound up at popeyes which was a really bad mistake <laughs> that was a really bad mistake but that mistake here is why that mistake transpired when we had uh you had the maple leaves that were playing the bruins in the first round of the nhl playoffs you had the Jays that were back in town for the first time since the opening weekend. Oh, my goodness. Or it may have been the first time of the season. I think season. it was opening re- weekend. And then the Raptors, too. The Raptors were at home NBA. I mean, it was Sports Central in, in downtown Toronto. And the AHL team, uh, I guess they had a home playoff game, I believe it was. It was I, against Rochester. Uh, Ro- Rochester got swept by uh, the Marlies. Bummer. But. Yeah, I mean, it was there was a lot of things happening in downtown Toronto, which hence why you guys had a lot of issues. But I mean, you got to meet Kevin Martin. You got, I mean, you got to oh, meet a, a lot of cool. I mean, it was just a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun. Just you guys, kind of, I don't want to say coming on my turf because it wasn't my turf, but you know, it just was neat to have you guys there and to, to kind of sit back and experience where it literally was the best of the best. Like you said, I mean, you have the twelve best teams on tour, men's and women's. And you slug it out, and it was a little bit of a downer for me at the end uh, with Hasselborg losing that final after running roughshod over the field. But you know, congrats to Kerry Anderson. But the the bottom line is, it was it was a great time I had with you guys, and you know, just getting to introduce you guys to a lot of people and and, and people you have known and, and that you may have talked to, just not had met in person. So it it really was awesome. Yeah, you know, um, it was great to, to meet Kevin Martin, uh, Mike Harris, Joe McCusker. I mean, all the people who work on uh, uh, for uh, Sportsnet um, doing uh, these Grand Slams. Uh, it was it was great just to talk to them for a little bit, uh, let them know a little bit a little bit about what we do here at TESN, and uh, you know, got to meet some really great people out there. And I hope to make it an annual thing. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. As Players' Championship will we'll once again be back in Toronto. But we did have a slam. Uh, it feels like it was last week, but Saskatoon, the uh, the Champions Cup. And, and Joe, this one this one had a much different feel, and it was a much different feel for a lot of reasons. Not be- it, One of the reasons we weren't downtown Toronto, but one of the big reasons was just simply because you had a lot of teams that did not have their full, you know, roster of players because so many people were over in uh, in Stavanger, Norway, doing mixed doubles duty, and it wasn't just like a one team or two teams or three. I mean, there was a lot of teams that had a lot of new faces. I don't think any one drew a bigger crowd or at least a bigger story than Eve Muirhead playing for Team Hasselborg as she skipped. Uh, uh, Anna's team, as Anna went over and obviously won the gold medal with Oscar in the Mixed Doubles World Championship in Stavanger. You know, probably the other one that I would say in terms of a media headline or story, another team I work with, and certainly we know very well, was Team Schuster. But that was John Morris, Johnny Moe himself, coming in to skip that team with uh, Matt Hamilton and Chris Plies and, um, and John Landsteiner. And here's the thing I'll tell you about last week in Saskatoon of the Champions Cup. 
you know, while uh, Team Tiranzoni and Team Botcher won it, and congratulations to both teams, teams that did not have new faces in the lineup, it was it was a event from the standpoint number one that had maybe the most enthusiasm, and this is hard to even put into words and say because. Conception Bay and St. John's was so awesome. And now it was so awesome with Gushu still in it. Uh, but when Gushu lost, and it was like, for instance, we had the All England final with, um, or Scotland final with Patterson and Mowat, you know, it was a little bit of a downer. But I got to tell you, man, the folks in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan, they have a ton of pride. And even without Silvernagel uh, and Kirk Myers and uh, uh, Dunstone out of it, Boy, it was a brand new arena that had just opened the Merlis Belcher place in in November. It was new. The crowds were just overwhelming from really, honestly, the the day we started on Tuesday. That caught my eye. But also the big thing when it came to on the ice, Joe, and, and taken away from Tiranzoni and, and Botcher, uh, the two that won the event, was just the flavor that you had these new faces because after such a long season, when you've got a guy like John Morris that comes in and plays, like, I mean, look, there's no denying it. Like, Chris Plies and, and Hammy, I mean, they, they obviously love playing with Schusty. But, you know, you bring in a guy like Johnny Moe, man, you just you have a good time. And a lot of teams just felt this kind of this, I don't want to say rejuvenation, you know, they were re-energized just because you had a new player on the ice and you want to impress them and they want to impress you. That really was a huge takeaway, and it really was a lot of fun. It's it's kind of interesting price. I mean, this still had a pretty good purse attached to it, this event. And so, yeah. you know, these teams that had to break up sort of uh, temporarily because of the world mixed doubles, um, you know, they pick up some pretty good players, and, you know, some of these teams might have picked up a pretty good paycheck too. I, I kind of wonder, you know, long term, not, not in the short term, if in the long term we see more internationally like mixed teams in some way, just trying to pick up on the best players you can possibly pick up in order to play in some of these slam events um, where the purses are, are a little bit bigger than uh, your, your everyday uh, cash spiel. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll peel back the layer a little bit and you obviously know work with, with team Hasselborg and, you know, it really, you know, them specifically having gotten to know them so very well, like all the teams, you know, work with all year, the U.S. teams and, you know, the international teams. But, you know, for that event specifically, um, you know, in, in there's I'll, I'll say this with uh, Team Sinclair to a degree, too, with Vicki Persinger, it's a little bit different because she had been a member of that team last year and she was at the Worlds with them. You know, they it, it was a little bit like that, but it was so neat to be around the girls from with Sophia and Agnes and Sarah and to watch the interaction that with Eve joining up with them and just not missing a beat. I mean, Eve had the best numbers of any skip at the end of the week. I mean, she, th- she threw 100% for one game early in the week. It was just fantastic. But it was re- just the interaction to see the athletes and the players have on the ice you know, down the hallway, you know, as they're hanging out. It, it, it was just such a neat and refreshing thing. And I, it, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. And even the same thing goes with Morris, uh, with, with Schuster and those guys, because while they did have a lot of fun, they, they played really real. I mean, John, let me just say this too. John Morris made a few shots. Why that guy is not still out there skipping a men's team. There's some dynamics in play there. I get that, but that guy made some shots that were just you just kind of scratch your head like did he really just do that and and, and he did a couple he made a couple uh in the game against Mowat um 
that they ended up uh, they ended up losing as his rock uh, it didn't pick it. it barely grazed a guard on the last shot as he was throwing for a draw to send it to extras really a downer to go out that way but boy I mean the guys had a lot of plas- a lot of uh, fun playing with Johnny Moe and I talked to Johnny Moe he had a ton of fun playing with those guys but man Joe that guy has still got it yeah absolutely and you know let's uh, not uh, slight uh, Brennan Botcher who goes back to back um, from the Players' Championship to the Champions' Cup, defeating no Kevin Cooey twice. I mean, two times in a row at these slams, so, and then taking home these championships. Who's a hotter team right now than Team Botcher? There is none. I mean, Botcher's the best team in the world right now, and I say that with all due respect to Nicholas Sedin, another team I work with. You know, they've had they've had some ups and downs. Yes, they won the World Championship. Um, so technically, you would say that Team Nicholas Sedin is the best team in the world. Um, but when you look at the way that the teams are playing on the ice and, you know, when you go up against the best of the best, what Brendan Botcher has done, you go off, especially when you win the Players' Champ. I mean, they've won three in a row, Joe. You got to the uh, Meridian Open, uh, you know, back in North Battleford in January. Won that. I mean, they, play, they, have only, they played in four events this year. Let me, let's put this in perspective just real quick. They've only played in four slams this year. They finaled in all four of them. They won the last three of them. So they have won three straight going back to North Battleford in January. They obviously uh, went to the Briar and, and came up a little short there. But then they go to the Players' Championship, win it in Toronto. And then, oh, they win the Champions Cup where, you know, I think it was on the men's side, the top one, two, three, and four teams in terms of order of merit ranked. They win that. So you technically beat the best of the best again there. Um, I, I don't think, to me, in my mind, Brendan Botcher is the best team in the world right now, and there's almost no debate about it. Although Nicholas Adine, again, I, you're, you're the world champions. You you can you know stake your claim as best team in the world, but to me, that money is on Brendan Botcher, my friend. Yeah, and we'll talk about the cha- the uh, curling World Cup coming up uh, yeah. in a bit, and it's unfortunate. I don't think they're playing in that one, are they? Uh, no, they're not, because you got Matt Dunstone, who is going to represent Team Canada in that one. So no, uh, you will have, um, you will not have, um, excuse me, uh, you won't have a botcher in that one. You also uh, not have. Let me see, I've got the groupings right in front of me. You will have Team Cooey. You do have two Canadian teams. That's the only um, country with two teams. But there will be no botcher. There will be. Um, uh, uh, when you look at some of the other best teams in Canada, they are not there. Matt Dunstone earned his way there, and I think it was Cooey. Cooey won the first event, so they won. They uh, also earned their way there. So, um, yeah, going to be fun, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But, uh, you know, pr- pretty much, uh, Joe, I want to just pivot real quick uh, to Corey and John. Uh, I'm not sure how much you saw of it, but, wow, uh, you know, just capping a – a crazy wild year is, you know, the teams, a lot of people doing mixed double duty. And, you know, John and Corey, they win the mixed doubles U.S. Nationals out in a Granite Curling Club in Seattle. They take their show on the road to Stavanger. They end up with a bronze medal beating Australia. They had to wake up a little bit to do it because they got in a little bit of an early hole. But, boy, just what an outstanding run for John and Corey to bring home a bronze, uh, tying the best finish, as uh, uh, Jerry reminded me last week that Tab and Joe Polo did the same thing, bringing home our bronze before, but just what a run for John and Corey. Yeah, you know, uh, caps off a pretty good year there for Schuster, who has won his seventh men's uh, U.S. Nationals. Uh, you know, his first uh, attempt at uh, World Mixed Doubles winds up with bronze. Uh, watched a lot of uh, their games, uh, and, you know, 
Corey, you know, throws a great last stone and, and, and mixed doubles. Boy, it's really all about the women in some respects, isn't it? I mean, uh, they wind up with all the pressure at that last shot. And, uh, you know, it's it's really nice to see uh, their dynamic. Uh, you can see that uh, Corey gives John a lot of respect, and John sort of takes charge out there in terms of, you know, sort of some of the strategy elements. But really, it's up to Corey at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, just a huge congratulations to them, also to USA Curling, to uh, to bring home some more hardware and, you know, continue uh, to continue to build on the success from Pyeongchang. I mean, I, I, I think that we need to certainly tip our hats in our caps to USA Curling, too, because, you know, while they could have gone over there and laid an egg after Pyeongchang, I mean, there is still momentum riding high, not just at the grassroots level, you know, but at the uh, the high-performance level, uh, you know, in the sport right now, Joe. So uh, really awesome to see John and Corey. All right, let's, let's pop away here because you and I have got some categories and thoughts and top moments and players and comebacks and all kinds of things we want to get into here. Uh, we'll come back here on the final edition of the Extraction Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. Again, myself, Bryce Atkinson, and the godfather, Joe Calabrese. Putting a bow on the 2018-2019 season, Joe, it has been so much fun to be with everybody this year. I hope all our listeners have enjoyed it. I did have a few people hit me up saying, where in the heck's the next podcast? I said, look, just hang tight. Joe and I are on the road. We've, he's got uh, the gather. We tried to keep people at bay, but uh, still, I know we have a lot of loyal listeners. And I know one specifically, I will say, uh, our, my, 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 our, our buddy, our mutual friend, Dustin Tomasetti Specs himself, uh, he did uh, send some kudos and really enjoyed uh, the Donnie Bartlett interview last week and uh, some things brought to you. But uh, we will bring to you one more segment here, Joe, as this will have to tie everybody over as we will be back in the fall. Uh, but we'll be right back here on the Extra Action Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network. Much more to come. All right, back one final time here on the Extra Action Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network, Bryce Atkinson, the godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, the final episode of the 2018-2019 season. we got a lot to look back on, Joe, but before we look back, let's look forward a little bit as we've got uh, the Arena Nationals coming up. We've got a junior high-performance program announcement uh, that just took place. we got uh, some things to hit on. Take us away, especially starting with the Arena Nationals coming up. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at Arena Nationals coming up this week, um, we've got 20 men's teams and 15 women's teams uh, competing in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, I... I ice works. These... Ice works. Put the hole, put the beanbag in the wall. Sorry, go ahead. No, this isn't ice works. That, this is a different this place altogether. Well, <laughs> it's funny that I'm going to be in Westchester in about a month, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, at any rate, uh, yeah, you know, I, and I would like to just, uh, you know, shout out to the Rocks Across the Pond podcast for doing a much more detailed uh, analysis of the Arena Nationals. But I guess um, if I was looking at uh, some teams to keep an eye on, maybe it'd be Pittsburgh, Mark Robinson, uh, somebody that we know real well from the gathering, uh, yep. and then maybe Dallas Fort Worth with Nikki uh, Bling Bling Myers. Uh, those would be two teams <laughs> I definitely keep an eye on on the men's side. You know, on the women's side, I honestly don't know that many teams, but I guess Cincinnati might be somebody that I, I would be interested in. Uh, it, it, Monique Penny, uh-huh. uh, somebody that might, might uh, show up pretty well there. Um, looking at some of these other teams, boy, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I you can't count out 
a Dallas-Fort Worth team at any time and, and a San Francisco Bay Area team. So I guess those would be teams that I'd be keeping an eye out for over on the women's side. Um, but with 20 teams on the men's side and 15 teams on the women's side, what a great participation for an event like this. Um, and it just shows you the growth of the game in the arena side. Absolutely exciting when you see this type of growth, especially the teams from all over. And, you know, not much different from years past, but, I mean, you're starting to see a, trink, a trickling in. Like you said, you, a lot of names you didn't recognize. So, you know, so maybe some a lot of new players to the sport. So, you know, and also shout out to the Rocks Across the Pond crew for, uh, yeah, I did hear a little bit of theirs, uh, you know, kind of breaking it down. Didn't hear the whole thing, but uh, certainly if you can break down the Arena Nationals like that, that is pretty awesome. And I want to also uh, break down, uh, you know, an announcement that came down, you know, just this week, the Junior High Performance Program. Um, we will find out the, you know, the men's and women's high performance program announcement here probably in the next two weeks. But, you know, I, I got to say I was a little bit bumped. Not, I was excited but also to see uh, the announcement on Facebook that Team Strauss uh, coming to an end. I was kind of bummed to read that news, but in that same news, in that same vein, congratulations to Sam Strauss, also with his sister being named to the Junior High Performance Program, Joe. Yeah, family affair there, brother-sister, uh, both making the Junior High Performance Program. There were 23 applicants this year, and uh, they, they had six athletes selected. Um, you know, we're also saying goodbye to a few pretty good curlers out there, yeah. you know, um, and, and I guess most notably, Andrew Stopera, who I'm hoping uh, applies and is selected for the men's program because uh, I think he deserves it. Um, but, you know, three women also uh, aged out, Lexi Lanigan, Anne-Marie Duberstein and Jenna uh, Bercheski. So, yep. um, you know, they had some some pretty strong careers on the junior side. Hopefully they'll uh, transition that over to the uh, the uh, men's and women's. And see, that's always the tough thing, Joe, is when you've got to – I don't want to say have to, but it's, you have these talented young players that you invest in, right? A, a Stopera, a Lanigan, a Duberstein. You know, you want to absorb them at the at the next level. But you know, when 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 teams are not going anywhere, you have players that are staying. It's hard to absorb that kind of talent when you have to you know make a tough decision, move somebody out. Sometimes it's hard to make that decision where you can't move somebody out. You know, maybe in the case of a Monica Walker, where she obviously has stepped away from the, that, makes some things easier. But you know, it, it's going to be fascinating. I think personally on the women's side to see exactly what happens with these new high performance announcements, especially when you talk about absorbing. You know some of these talented t- young female juniors. Yeah, curling's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? I mean, you can play uh, at a high level for a very long time, and so um, when you've got just a few spots, um, trying to graduate these juniors is not an easy task. And I, I certainly don't envy the uh, high performance program for trying to make some of these decisions. Yeah. All right. Let's get to uh, a couple things I want to uh, to kind of uh, you know highlight, spotlight, uh, you know, discuss. You and I can debate. We can do. Uh, we can do. Uh, take this any number of ways. But it kind of came up with a few different categories. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on some of these, including let's start with the top moment of 2019. In what stands out for you, with your eyes that you saw, whether it be in person or on television. Uh, I guess I want to go back to U.S. Nationals, and I want to kind of. Um, highlight the performance of Stephanie Seneca's team and also okay. uh, Stephen Berklid's team. I think two teams outside the HP program um, 
showing up kind of big in, in, in nationals and showing that you can play aggressively um, without a lot of fear and, and have some success. And I um, particularly want to uh, mention, you know, Seneca's win over Sinclair, um, which, you know, was really, I think, I yeah. think was Sinclair's only loss of the week. And yep. I, I just think that there's a lot of uh, potential for, for Seneca's team. And I know that they're keeping it together. They had announcements all week about uh, their, their goals from last year and what they ought to be uh, planning for this year. So um, I'm excited to see how they, they, uh, they progress this next calendar year. Yeah, really, really hungry young team. Uh, really, uh, they're, they're a team that you've got to watch out for because they went out and they went for it all year. They went out on tour. They played a lot of events. They, they, they qualified in a lot of events. And you know, I think you saw that pay off at Nationals. They were absolutely outstanding and just – you know, a couple of things go a different way, but, um, you know, top- and they were sort of, I'm sorry, yep. Chris, they were sort of a bit of an unknown too. And so I, it'll be interesting to see how teams prepare for them now that they've sort of seen their game and, and we'll see if, uh, Stephanie and the team, um, make some adjustments as well after seeing some of the teams that they, they'll have to play at nationals, uh, next year as well. Um, I price, I, I wanted to ask you, um, question. Yep. Uh, what do you think was maybe, you know, the most shocking moment that you have seen this year? Wow. Most shocking moment. Um, you know, I could, I could honestly, I could translate that into a answer for the top moment. Um, because I oftentimes think of a top moment as something as like a surprise, so to speak. Um, and I would not put, you know, I would say maybe a top moment would have been John and Corey winning bronze. You know, I think that's a, that's that's a hard one not to put there. But you know, when you look at shocking moments, I look at things that may that may have been a surprise. And I guess there were two that I that that come to mind. Um, not so much as a just a floor shock, but as a wow. That's something that I'm just going to take away. I'm going to remember for a while this season, and a little bit because it was Corey Christensen's first slam um, going back to Thunder Bay in November, and this was the Tier 1, the Tour Challenge on the Tier 1 side. And Corey, uh, you had Madison Bear, you had Vicki Persinger, you had Jenna Martin, uh, you know, playing in that slam on that side. And they were, I don't remember the pool they were in, but they were playing against Chelsea Carey. Uh, I think it was at the end of the pool. Um, And they ended up basically coming back from the dead, a late rally, uh, turning the tables on Chelsea, who has had a lot of late rallies, especially later in this season. They took it to an extra end and won it without hammer in an extra end. And it was in a, I believe it was a morning session that ended around lunchtime, but they were the last team that was on the ice and playing against what obviously now is the Scotty's champion, but obviously at the time was not. But it was a team in Chelsea Carey, who's one of the best shot makers in the world when she's at her best. And it was just a, it was a surprise. Not that Corey is not capable of beating uh, Chelsea Carey's team, which which they are. It was just one of those moments that it was like, wow, that just happened. It was really special to watch because, again, they were the only team, the only game left on on the sheet. It was a tier one event, and just without hammering that last in, they found a way to manufacture it and came back. One of the other shocking uh, moments was. I can't, I'm, I'm trying to go back, and I, one of these moments was at the Tour Challenge in November 
But Nina Roth had a couple of comebacks against Jennifer Jones where she had big-time deficits, um, and it was like she found a way to rally. And in that same vein in terms of coming back from big deficits that were shocked, how about uh, Jamie Sinclair down to Chelsea Carey at the World Championship in Denmark, which I was watching again with my own eyes right there rinkside, coming back down, what were they, 6-0 down to rally uh, I don't have the score right in front of me. Thirteen to six was the final. Yeah. But the way Jamie just roared back from the dead against Chelsea to win that round robin game at the World Championship in Denmark to ultimately put themselves in play and to honestly, at the end of the day, take Chelsea out of the top six in the playoffs, those are probably some memorable moments in terms of the way the games just transpired and just, if you want to call it, shocking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you never want to be down 6 nothing. that's for sure. But the way that they roared back in that game, uh, wind up winning 13-6. to six. Yeah, and let me say this, too, and Nina, too. I, I want to make sure I touch on Nina because now I've talked about Corey so much and I've talked about Jamie a little bit. But Nina had Nina qualified this year, Joe. She had two, what, semifinal finishes in the slams. One was, I think one was the Meridian Open back in January, and the other one was Thunder Bay in November. November, I think I have those right. And I believe both of them included big comebacks against uh, Team Jennifer Jones. And that was just really, really awesome. And especially to see uh, Tab and, and Tara and Becca and, and Nina coming off the ice. And just, just the I mean, they love a lot of rocks in play. Like, I mean, they love to, I don't want to say junk it up, but they love to, love to put rocks in play. And they love to go for it. And it was just awesome to watch them go for it at moments when they had to. Yeah, you know, we've sort of talked about how Sinclair and Roth are 1A and 1B. I mean, and you can put them in either order. I mean, they're, they're, they just trade off, and they're yeah. such good teams, and they have some distinct styles. Um, this year, Sinclair sort of took them at nationals, but, you know, I think Roth had better results pretty much out on tour. So, yeah, no um, doubt. No it, it's, doubt. It's definitely, you know, interesting to sort of see how those two teams will shake out. You mentioned, you know, sort of how the HP program is going to progress on the women's side. I mean, It'll be interesting to see sort of who fills some voids on on those teams. Yeah, I'll be surprised to see any change to to Team Roth. I mean, I I think the big question is, you know, Eileen and Alex Carlson, Eileen uh, Eileen Geving and Alex Carlson. What may or may not happen with them? Are they coming back? Or are they not? I'd be I'd be real surprised to see any kind of change to Team Roth. I would expect to possibly see some changes to Team Sinclair. What those changes might be, I don't know. Um, but there's no question about it that Nina, far and away, had a better season out on tour, and it's not even close. Granted, Jamie won the U.S. Nationals and earned her way to the World Championship fair and square, but collectively, from start to finish, Nina was definitely better. Um, and uh, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out, especially now with mixed doubles, you know, kind of entering the mix and more events, and you have players that are peeling off for mixed doubles duty. So it, it will be interesting to see what exactly happens on the women's side, Joe. I'm really fascinated. We're going to find out here in probably the next week, week and a half. So stay, stay tuned for those announcements. So, Price, we're sort of wrapping things up here in, in the, the podcast for the year. So I guess we have some other – I don't want to call them awards, but, you know, we want to mention some things, I guess. Um, you know, you, you had a lot of interviews this year. We had 25 episodes, and I would say you probably did at least 25 <laughs> interviews, if not more. Um, who, do you, who do you consider to be one of your, your best guest, uh, guests? 
to the podcast. Oh man, that that is so tough because we've had so many. Uh, I mean, it's hard to even think about the guests that we've had on the podcast. You know, part of me is goes back to the guests that we've had that we had in, in the studio in, in the booth. You know, at nationals and. Um, you know, I guess maybe one of the most memorable <laughs> is because when I pulled the power cord out, uh, when I was going to sit, when I was basically sitting in Scott Hamilton's lap, um, getting ready to interview him during what was that, the men's final or the women's final? I'm trying to remember which one it was that day. It was the uh, women's final. Yeah, I I think probably one of those. Uh, probably that one just stands out for <laughs> for for that reason. Just pulling the power cord. I'll tell you the other one, um, and this is another in person that we did um, uh, in in Kalamazoo. Probably uh, Nina Ross, mom and dad, uh, because it was it was honestly a pivot on, on the spot. A lot of folks not associated with the broadcast they're watching, but uh, I don't remember who we had lined up for that fifth in break guest interview, uh, but. To peel back the curtain a little bit, they did not show up. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. Sometimes who, that happens. It does. It's not. Un- I mean, it's not. It's not common, but it's not okay. You know, when you have a lot of different folks, and Terry's trying to do Terry Davis, obviously our, our boss with USA Curling and communications director, she's trying to do a million things, and she's reminding athletes. <clears throat> some athletes just they may fall asleep, they and they may nap between games, and they may not wake up. Uh, it, but we ultimately we had a guest interview, not show. And I think probably as we uh, went and saw Nina's mom and dad uh, sitting over in the hospitality area there in the VIP section, just right literally to our right there in, in Kalamazoo, and ask him if they come on and do it. And, and for me, it was really – that was not – because of the way it happened, it, it kind of stands out. But also just, just to see the pride they had in, in Nina and their daughter, you know, Mark, just watching – seeing in their eyes and just hearing them talk about their daughter marching in the opening ceremonies and what it was like to see her take the ice in the Olympics. I, just just those kind of things that just are so special that for me, is, is, especially as a former athlete, you know, my mom and dad went through, through some of the th- same things, clearly not to that degree. Um, but just the, the parents that just are such a big part of the athletes' lives are a backbone in so many ways to – you know, emotional support, financial support when needed, and you know, just to be there for them I, emotionally. It just was awesome to have them on. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you know, I, thinking back, I mean, I did some interviews myself with some curling clubs, and I guess a couple that I, I felt like uh, needed some repeating were. Uh, you may want to go back to episode five where we talked to Bobby Torres and Nicole Kennedy uh, from the Penn State uh, Curling Club. Yep, uh, I got my Penn State curling uh, sweatshirt on right now, Price and. You know, just looking back um, from where they that, were. When is we, it that cold there, by the way? Um, it's still in the 50s. My it's goodness. Not, uh, it's not crazy. Um, but, you know, just looking back and just they were getting ready for their first ever learn to curl. And then, I, you know, I talked to uh, uh, Andy Dunham uh, a little bit later at Nationals and just how they have to adjust because they didn't have enough rocks. And so they had five and six person teams and modified rules and all these things. And then I hear that they they have learned to curls now for um, people in the community that aren't affiliated with the uh, the university itself. But now they have it, that their own curling club of just those people. So yeah. um, just the pro- the progress that Penn State curling has made in the last year uh, makes me proud as an alumni. Um, and uh, so it, 
just knowing that I think that they're going to be a force in the college curling community for quite some time once they kind of get their act together. And uh, the the pictures that come out of there uh, pretty much each and every week are pretty amazing. And then um, I also had a chance to talk to uh, Buffalo Curling Club's Daniel Bookbinder um, in Buffalo, again, Western New York uh, Club, uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half away from me. And then I got a chance to visit them a little bit later in the year and sort of see their progress. Um, pretty excited to see what's possible in the Buffalo area, um, being very close to the Canadian border in Niagara Falls. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, uh, you know, as I'm talking about uh, the parents, I will say, and what reminded me to mention this is is because you talked about Andy Dunham. And, you know, talking with his, uh, his mom and dad, they were sharing some stories with me in the hallway, you know, in Kalamazoo between sessions about uh, when they went over and played over in Russia and downtown Moscow in the Red Square Classic and not having a, literally a broom to push the snow, like a legit broom. And, you know, just shout out to all the parents uh, and the family members who who we've either talked to on the air, uh, whether it be in Kalamazoo, whether we've had them on a podcast, whether it's been, just been in uh, off topic conversation, uh, seeing them around. It's they are awesome, and and they are just always a pleasure and a treat because most all are just so so excited for their kids, uh, supporting them, and. You know, it's it's. I, I was telling somebody earlier today. They asked me about why in the world do you go to all these places, and I, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, it it's the same thing that I often repeat. But the people are just so special around the sport, and it's not just the athletes, the coaches. So much of it has to do with the family members and the parents you meet in the stands that live and die by each shot that are. You know that are sawing off fingernails with their with their you know with their teeth. You know, sitting in the stands. You know, just you know, worried. Uh, you know, cheering for their loved one. It, it it's just one of those things that to me it just makes it makes sports special, but it makes this our sport special. You know, as well, Joe. So, all right, let's. Uh, what do we got? We got a couple. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, any more of the way? Okay, top comeback player. This is the other one. Just real quick, I wanted to touch on. Top comeback player and did not set these categories. I'm just trying to go through a couple of them, <clears throat> you know, but just off the you know off the cuff as I was thinking earlier, getting ready for the podcast show. Top comeback player. I'll lead it off. I got to go with one guy, Stephen Berkeley. I mean, the, that's that's who I was thinking of and, too. And the reason why I was saying, and I'll let you have it here, but just look. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, he commits himself. He decides to get fully involved, and I see his Facebook post today about applying for the high performance program, saying, "Hey, I may or may not get in." I didn't really realize how hard you work until had to work until this point, but damn it, I'm going to do it, and whatever it takes, I'm here, and I respect it now more than I ever did. But what those guys did, and you know, hashtag LFG, it was awesome to watch what Steven did, especially coming what within one game of making the playoffs at Nationals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely agree with you in terms of comeback player. Then since you stole my thunder, I was sort of thinking of maybe top rookie. And then uh, I would say maybe Ariel Traxler Ooh, um, there you go. would be my top rookie. She she did some junior national championships, obviously, but this was her first. Top rookie in the booth or on the ice? I'm thinking on the ice. I would say ice. maybe maybe both. Yep. I mean, uh, she was pretty terrific in the booth. But, you know, I, I really came away very impressed with uh, her strategy and the way that she called a game, yep. uh, the way that she threw. I mean, she, she threw lead, but, I, but even so, I mean, she put herself in a great situation and then – her strategy um, kept them in a lot of games, and I think that they sort of stuck up on some people. 
Um, but I, I also believe, um, you know, just listening to her in the booth, you really get a good idea that she understands the game and she understands her players very well. Um, and that's always a good combination when you're going into these types of events. Yeah, Emily Emily Quello on that team, a really good shot maker too. I believe we talked about aging out of juniors. I believe she either aged out or she is just aging out, right? I, I think she was right there on the cusp, but she was just a really good player. And talking about another parent interview, I really enjoyed time with Jamie uh, Quello, her, her dad, who um, – had a sister that uh, lost a battle to lupus, which to me is a good trans, uh, uh, a good segue, Joe, because I, I did want to make sure I give a, a big time shout out to uh, to Regan Burr with the lupus spiel out in, uh, in Blaine this weekend. So many players congregating out there. Kevin Martin, uh, our good friend Jerry Gertz, I mean, Chelsea Carey, Colin Hodgson, um, I mean, golly, Jordan, I mean, Jordan Brown, uh, Evan Work, I mean, golly, the list goes on and on with just the celebrity skips. She has gotten involved in this event, and I really had hoped to uh, to be a part of it this year. Unfortunately, I've got to get in a, a van tomorrow and haul my butt to Pittsburgh for nine hours and then back on Sunday for a wedding. Thank goodness I get to go to a Pirates game tomorrow night. But, um, you know, shout out to, to, to Regan and all the hard work she's done, Joe, and putting this lupus spiel together. You know, my mom, who passed away in 2002 of lupus, um, had the most aggressive uh, kind uh, yeah, won't get into all the details, but just um, it, it just is a cause. Obviously, that we all have causes that are very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, you know, w- w- no matter what it is, but this one especially hits home in a lot of big ways, especially with mom, and then certainly uh, just uh, the involvement in curling now, and so many friends across the sport that are playing in Blaine this weekend, the four seasons. Shout out to Regan and everything she has done to make this spiel uh, so special. Yeah, it's the sixth year in a row of this uh, spiel, and you know they added a location this year. They have fifty-eight teams. I mean, uh, what a what a terrific uh, outpouring of support for uh, for the spiel and for Regan, uh, who puts this on every year and and works really tirelessly all year round. Not only to just uh, you know get the celebrity skips, but really just to promote it and make sure that the media is aware of it and uh, that everybody has such a great time. Um, you know the the uh, pictures are already out. You know from the the lead up to the event, and um, it's always exciting to see sort of what they are able to pull off and the amount of money they're able to raise for such a worthy cause. Absolutely. So congratulations to everybody that is there participating. You've got a, uh, you know, big, uh, big fist bump for me. Uh, real quick, Joe, the curling world cup, uh, getting underway next week in Beijing. As we mentioned, team Schuster, they're going to be in group a, a uh, couple with team Dunstone team, Adine, and then China on the women's side. Uh, team, uh, excuse me, team Nina Roth. They are also going to be in Team A. They're going to be going up against uh, Team Jennifer Jones and Team Fujisawa. And then the Chinese will also be in Group A there. And then not to be outdone in mixed doubles, Corey Dropkin and Sarah Anderson. They will also be, they will be in Group A going up against uh, Kirk Myers and Laura Walker from Canada. Uh, they will also go up against Switzerland and China. Um, in Group A, there so hundred thousand dollars prize money. If there's <laughs> if there's an event you want to win on tour, especially toward the end of the season, hey, you may not have thrown a lot of rocks because your ice may be gone from your club, or it may not. But boy, this is one to win, Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. I think <laughs> I think if you're gonna 
peak for one event that isn't the world championships this might be it <laughs> so i'm sure they're they found some practice ice somewhere yeah i was talking with Chris, christopher sungren uh the lead for a uh, team of dean he and i were joking in the hall last week and he said all right let, you know come on let, hopefully you guys can win this one here at the champions cup to get one uh slam under your belt he goes you know price he goes if we're not going to win this one that's okay because we want to win the one next week and basically what he, he he meant in two weeks and that was you know the grand final in beijing with a lot of good prize money on the line because in terms of money those guys they they really need it but joe i think we're about the end of the line my friend we're, we got one more topic we got to talk about. we do and i'm gonna segue it with the NFL draft coming up by saying, I just read an article literally right before you and I started uh, podcasting. And yep. the title of this is in Sports Illustrated. Buff- <laughs> Buffalo Bills new tailgate policy yep. hopes to stop unruly fans. And here is the thing I just, <laughs> I've got to go to the last, the final paragraph of the story. And just, I'm going to ask you with the question, really? Here is the here is not the quote, but the last line of the story in SI regarding the Buffalo Bills new tailgate policy, hoping to stop unruly fans. The last line reads, quote, it remains to be seen if this keeps fans from jumping onto tables, setting themselves on fire or just behaving like they have never been outside before. End quote. My question to you is really um, Price, so here's there's two things Seriously? I think going on here that I think that are important about this. This is pretty much a money grab by the Bills. They're trying to um, <laughs> take setting and, yourself on a fire and then to, and, and spin it as a way of safety, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but Rich, I'm sorry, I want to call it Rich Stadium. It's not Rich Stadium anymore. It's New Era Field. New Era Field is. In an interesting location in western New York, it's in a suburb of Buffalo, and there is tons of private parking around it. Um, I don't think that um, having this tailgate village is going to solve this problem um, at all. And it is a problem. We have flaming tables that people go through. It's a little ridiculous. And uh, a little? it's not a lot of people, but uh, it's enough that it's a problem. And I, I, I think that long term, it wouldn't surprise me that when uh, – the Pagulas decide to build a new stadium, it's going to probably be downtown to try to stop some of this nonsense. <laughs> All right. I, I just, I'm at a loss for words. When I read that, I just said, you got to be, this has got to be a joke. This has literally got to be a joke, but not joking uh, for real. I mean, you, you look at the draft and, you know, as I, I saw, uh, I, I, look, correct me if I'm wrong, the little bit of the draft I saw while I was in Saskatoon, I, I forgot it was on until Saturday, and then I started looking. I'm like, holy cow, we've already had like two days worth of draft picks. Looks like your boys did pretty good. I, I feel pretty strong about the Bills offseason so far. We uh, got some help for Josh Allen in terms of a ton of uh, free agents, uh, low price free agent offensive linemen to try to see if we can put together a combination to protect that guy. And then they picked up a couple wide receivers in free agency. And then, you know, they, they had Ed Oliver, a defensive tackle, which they desperately needed, um, fall to them exactly where they picked so that they didn't have to move up for that, which was a big worry for a lot of Bills fans. They picked up uh, a running back, Devin Singletary, uh, who can be uh, LaShawn McCoy's heir apparent. Um, and, and so, you know, I think they did pretty well. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I thought College football around here, especially in the South, a couple guys you got uh, kind of late in the draft. I thought uh, Joseph, uh, the linebacker from Florida, was a good pickup, uh, a little bit undersized. But then Jaquan Johnson, the safety out of Miami in the sixth round, a little bit undersized too there. Again, at only 5'10", you don't see a lot of you know very small safeties in the league. But 
I thought you guys did really well over and all. Uh, you know, I think your front row tickets, uh, your, the the value of your front row season tickets, uh, just went up a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we have a good chance. Maybe we, the the over under on the Bills is six and a half wins this season. I think the over is a pretty strong bet. As far as I'm concerned, well, I think the Panthers laid an egg. The fact they decided to draft Will Greer, the quarterback out of West Virginia, in the third with the hundredth uh, pick of the draft in the third round was a total absolute waste. Which <laughs> I don't think they have any effing clue what they're doing in Carolina right now. Well, because uh, we stole all your front office staff. Well, you did, and that's why I think they're in total disarray. Why it's going to be another season that's uh, going to be a total joke in Charlotte, but. Joe, let's go ahead and get out of here. It's late at night as we're recording Sounds on good. Thursday. This podcast is going to be up on Friday again. All your uh, podcasts here of the 12th In Sports Networks, the extra, extra in you can find on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, tesn.us forward slash podcast, your home for USA Curling. We do it unlike anybody else. There's nobody that does USA Curling like we do. There are many others that do. Canadian curling and curling of all bond spiels, but we pretty much stick to USA Curling, Joe. And that's the way we're going to keep it moving forward. So I know we'll have a prior announcement. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that I'm not that I'm not fired, Joe, that I might be asked back to do this for another year with you. Uh, I we'll, think that sounds like a, a pretty strong possibility, Price. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to count my chickens before the hats. I'm just going to say I'm hoping. I'm going to cross my fingers. I've done a good job, uh, enough job. When we meet for our uh, in, end of the year review a little bit later in the summer, and uh, while I may not hit the golf course for the uh, annual TSN uh, golf outing with UNBA, I want to wish him a happy belated birthday. And uh, just say, man, it has been a ton of fun doing with this with you all year. You and I. We talk a lot during the year. It was I feel like um, you know the fact that we got to see each other in Toronto was a little bit of a mulligan because we only get to see each other in uh, in Kalamazoo or at least at nationals, you know, in February. But you know, just the treat to be able to do this with you all year, not to get sappy, but um, you know, probably one of the few people I talk to more than anybody regularly, other than my wife and my kids and my uh, my immediate family, is my friend, the Godfather, Joe Calabrese. Well, thanks a lot, Price. We certainly do appreciate everything that you do, not only for TESN, but for uh, the curling community in general. I mean, you're out there uh, making the the travel arrangements, uh, being away from your family. Um, And I know that that's not uh, always the easiest thing to do. And uh, I know that a lot of people uh, at home do appreciate everything that you do, and and particularly for uh, for us at TESN. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for a great season. We like I said, 25 episodes this season. Um, you know, I suspect that we'll be back in the fall uh, for season three. Yeah, I hope so. I'm across my fingers. And so we'll work to maybe uh, shake things up, maybe do uh, add some new elements to it. We're always looking to get bit bigger and better. Uh, if you've got any kind of feedback on uh, what you want to see, what you don't want to see, let us know. You're not going to hurt our feelings, but we would love a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. But more than anything, let us know what you think, uh, how we can change things up, do things better, uh, different, whatever. We always want to know. But, Joe, for the final time, episode 25, The Extract Trend with the 12th In Sports Network. It is in the books. We are done with the 2018-2019 season. We hope to see you in the fall. Joe, take us out. Hey, everybody. Have a great summer. Thanks a lot, Bryce. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. 
Follow the 12th Inn Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra Inn Podcast.